we inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to AFA at the Core. Rick Green with you today. Thanks so much for joining us here on American Family Radio. Uh, It is a privilege to be a part of this program and a part of this network. And I'm thankful for you because just the fact that you're listening tells me you're plugged in, you're clued in, you're you're cued in, whatever the right word is there. The point is you're paying attention and you're willing to be a part of the solution. And what a great day to talk about that, the day after Independence Day, right? Because we declare independence, we still have to fight a war at that point for technically seven more years, but for sure five more years before we really win at Yorktown. Uh, It takes time. It takes time to develop freedom. And you are in this for the long haul. I pray that's the case. And I just speak that over you right now. We're going to stay in this fight as long as it takes. And frankly, the price of freedom is eternal vigilance, which means it takes forever. Yep. Your entire life, you have to fight for freedom. That is, if you want it to remain, if you want to preserve it, For your children and grandchildren, it's all just part of our duty. It's part of our biblical responsibility as citizens. We are Caesar in this country. So if you think about that, we the people in charge. So if we're going to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, if we're going to do Caesar well, we've got to be students of freedom. We've got to be students of the Constitution and most definitely students of the Bible to know what the Bible says about how to live this thing out. And speaking of the Bible, I was... I was reading, uh, let's see, is it uh, 2 Kings 18 last week, and then it just, you know, uh, Sunday morning I was speaking at a church in Yuba City, California, one of my favorite churches on the planet, wonderful pastor there. Pastor Ciociola is definitely a black-robed regiment pastor. We need more of those in the country for sure. At any rate, it w- it's one of these places where I-, I go I go there every year. I've been there 14 years in a row, either on the, the weekend of July 4th or around Independence Day, you know, and, and, and it seems like for the last seven or eight years, some major national issue happens right before I'm headed there. And, and I was reminded of seven years ago in 2015, so different from this year. Seven years ago in 2015, we were handed some of the worst Supreme Court decisions in history. And this week or this time that I was there and just the 10 days before we get some of the best Supreme Court decisions. In history, so what a what a difference that seven years made, and it just was a reminder that you know you got to stay in this fight for the long term. You can't expect to fight for freedom and you win one day and now you check out. I, you know, David Barton and I joke about that all the time. That one of the problems with Christian conservatives in the political realm is they get motivated, and then if we win, they check out. They think it's over. We we're done. Or if we lose, they check out because they get down and think it's you know it's never going to happen. We got to change that. We got to have staying power. We got we got to say, listen, we're going to be in this for the long haul. And so I actually pulled up my notes from seven years ago, seven years ago at, at this church in 2015. It was three weeks after, I know, I'm sorry, it was, it was two days after the Obergefell decision. So we had just been told by the Supreme Court that every state in America had to do gay marriage. You have to allow gay marriage, celebrate gay mar- marriage, change your laws to include gay marriage, no matter what you want in your particular state. No federalism here, no no individual decisions 
for individual states. No, no, no. Suddenly, under substantive due process, one of the things we talked about last week and we'll maybe dive a little bit more into today, uh, the Supreme Court created new rights, rights to abortion, rights to gay marriage, rights to all these things that are not in the Constitution, but they use the due process clause of the 14th Amendment to create this new legal theory called substantive due process. And, of course, abortion was the big one, but then also uh, gay marriage was found in this and, and all kinds of other things. And so seven years ago when that happened, just two days later, I was speaking at, the, at this church in, in Yuba City, and, and I, I, I was down. I mean, I just admit it. I was, you know, when, I, when that decision came down, I, I thought, man, I mean, we've just lost all concepts of constitutional limitations on government, on federalism, and letting states make decisions on things like this that are not addressed in the Constitution. If it is addressed in the Constitution, then, then it's not a state decision. And that's, that's sort of what the court did in their back-to-back decisions uh, what I guess uh, now it's been 12 days uh, ago, they, they, they said the Second Amendment and, and your right of self-defense, that is in the Constitution, and therefore uh, we will defend that for all 50 states. But but this whole you know idea of abortion or gay marriage, those are not in the Constitution. Uh, well, actually, let me sidetrack on that just a second, because technically abortion is the taking of life, so you're murdering the baby in the womb, and the 14th Amendment does say that you're going to have your life, liberty, and property protected, so... Uh, I, we could definitely make an argument for, and we even got into that a little bit last Tuesday with a call from a legislator in Kansas that that there, if you if you define person to include a human being, and the human being is in the womb, then actually abortion is covered by the Constitution and should be protected in all fifty states. But I digress. The whole point of uh, of where I was headed with this was that things like marriage that is that is not mentioned in the Constitution. And, and the 14th Amendment due process clause and what they call substantive due process, you won't find those words substantive due process in the Constitution, but that was created by the court to make up these rules and make up these laws. And, and, and so seven years ago, I'm, I'm, I'm literally driving to this church from the airport, flew into Sacramento, drive into to Yuba City. And I'm going, man, what? I don't even know what to say, Lord. Give me some words because I'm depressed. Not depressed, but I mean, I'm down. I, I feel like it's been just a, a gut punch to the legal system, to America, the fact that we're now going to, you know, celebrate and participate in and require everyone to be a part of what we know the Bible says is wrong. I just was really struggling. And so thankfully, you know, the Lord gave me gave me a word that that morning for for that church seven years ago. So I just want to hit the three points real quick for you while we're in our first segment. And by the way, if you want to call in, we're going to start taking calls after the first break. And that phone number is 888-589-8840. Go ahead and write that down, 888-589-8840. And we'll get to calls in the second segment. But but here's what here's what I, I shared that morning. I said, you know, we, we, we can cower, we can whine, uh, we can, you know, be depressed. We can we can run off and say, forget it. We're not even uh, not even going to stay involved anymore. I mean, that's what people tend to do when things go bad. But what I did was I de- described for them a moment in time. I said, just imagine a time in America where immorality abounds. It's not only tolerated, but it's celebrated, even to the point of being enshrined in the Constitution. And, and, and at this moment in time, even churches, many churches, are twisting the Bible to support this immorality, to, to celebrate perversions of liberty. They're, they've changed the definition of liberty and perverted it. And the Supreme Court has vastly overreached its power, and it's actually given an edict to the country that forces people to violate their conscience in order to follow, quote, the law, unquote. What do you do? What do you do in response to that? What 
What does a man or woman of God do at that point? What, when, when the you know, foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And so I said to the church after describing all that that morning, I said, let me clarify the moment in time in which this snapshot I just described for you was taken. It wasn't two days ago in the year 2015. So imagine we're back there at the church in 2015, two days after Obergefell. No, no, the snapshot that I just described was actually 1857 in America. In 1857 in America, the immorality to which I, I'm referring was the constitutionally protected practice of human beings being treated like animals and forced into bondage as their families were ripped apart. Many churches supported slavery. The Constitution and the courts upheld it, and the law even forced anti-slavery Americans to participate in this abomination through one of the worst laws in American history, the Fugitive Slave Act. And the United States Supreme Court forced this on people. They, they, the, the Dred Scott decision said that, that blacks had no rights that whites had to recognize. If you lived in that day and you watched the human torture of slavery happening in your own nation and you watched the law and the leaders support it, what would have been your response? Would you just give up? Would you just run for the hills? Would you say it's all over? Or would you just shrug your shoulders and say, eh, oh, well, go back to your daily routine? No, not at all. And there was a biblical response in that 1857 generation. And I think we're seeing it happen again in America today. Over the last seven years since 2015, I think we've even, even seen that. So the snapshot that I gave them that morning in 2015 was not only that our leaders had had now again sanctioned an anti-biblical depravity. They, they decreed to the nation that, that everybody had to participate, that everybody had to celebrate this, and, and that in fact, if you said anything negative about it, you were the bad guy or gal. And it's kind of like this old transgender thing where now in some places, I mean, in Canada and other nations, you have people getting arrested for using the wrong pronoun. Yeah, Jordan Peterson just, just uh, I mean, attacked from all over his nation for refusing to use the wrong pronouns, but, but, they, but they clearly are violating the laws of nature and nature's God, and then they're enshrining it in the Constitution through Supreme Court decisions. I mean, that's not actually enshrining it in the Constitution, but it's acting like it's in there. So how do you respond? Well, in response to that Supreme Court decision seven years ago and these lawless decisions that did not uphold the Constitution but actually made up a new Constitution— I was initially in despair. I mean, I admit that. I started, <laughs> I even, I shouldn't admit this on the air, so maybe y'all mute me at this point, but I started looking into where else to go. You know, what happens if, if, if America loses its freedoms and where do we go? Where do I take my family and start over? And then I had to kind of slap myself and say, well, wait a minute, how much of a wimp are you going to be? Are, are we really this weak as a church? Have we raised up a generation of absolute wimps? Are we soft and spoiled because we've enjoyed freedom so long that, that, that now that we're engaged in the battle, we're just going to throw in the towel even before we've even really even stepped into the ring? And if you have been in the ring fighting for years, you give up before the final bell? No way. We're not even in the late rounds, folks, we're, let alone to the final bell. We're in the early rounds. It's a championship bout, and the prize is the heart and soul of of the greatest nation in the history of mankind. The prize will be the basic freedoms upon which our nation was built. And if that's not enough to get your attention, how the church responds in this battle is going to determine whether your children live in freedom or whether they 
are banished to tyranny. That should get all of our attention. So here's what they did in 1857 when they were faced with that similar battle that, that I'm describing from 2015. We're still facing the battle of 2015, but I'm just trying to give you some context on what happens when you see institutions go against God. And then we'll celebrate how the institutions went for biblical uh, definitions and life and those things in the last couple of weeks. But in 1857, they did not cower and run for the hills. They found a way to fight on every front. Their courage not only preserved America, it made us a more perfect union, but it wasn't easy. It didn't happen in one election. I mean, the Republican Party was formed in 1856 on the idea of ending slavery. I think it was seven of the nine planks of the Republican platform in, in 1856 to end slavery and have equal rights. They didn't have any real victories. Then 1860, Lincoln wins. Again, the platform for the Republican Party, I think it was nine of 11 planks, were about ending slavery and equal rights. But it, even then, it took a, a war, a civil war, and an entire generation sacrificing on a level we cannot even begin to imagine. We can't even comprehend from this luxurious life that we have in America today what they went through to preserve freedom and make that happen. But if we could imagine, if we could imagine just for a moment what they went through. I mean, our battles today are like first-year t-ball compared to the major leagues when we think about what they went through in 1857 or go back to 1776 or even fast forward a little bit to 1941. Same thing. Amazing, amazing sacrifice. And when we're willing to put in the effort and sacrifice, we see tremendous victories. So when we come back for the break, I'm, I'm going to again go back to 2015 Look at what we were facing with a Supreme Court that was willing to foist upon every state in the Union unconstitutional, anti-biblical rulings, making people live against their values. And then we're going to fast forward from there to today. And we're going to talk about, once again, these victories that we're seeing in the last couple of weeks from the Supreme Court. We're going to distinguish between a legislative lawmaking outside their boundaries unconstitutional court versus a court that is willing to say no that is not the job of the court nor is it jo the job of the federal government and then we're going to talk about how that applies to your life and my life and what we can do to make sure that we are the catalyst for restoring biblical values and constitutional principles so we've got a lot to cover today and we're only through the already through the first segment it goes way too fast around here when we come back we'll get to your calls as well 888-589-8840 is the number to call 888-589-8840 i'm rick green we'll be right back on afa at the core Then Elisha prayed and said, O oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. One morning, Elisha's young servant went out first thing and saw the Syrian army surrounding Elisha's hometown. The servant was racked with fear and cried out to Elisha, What will we do? Elisha said, Don't be afraid. There are more with us than are with them. Then Elisha prayed, Lord, Open this young man's eyes. The servant then saw the mountain full of horses and chariots of fire. As opposition mounts in our lives, fear not. The Lord who is in us and with us is greater 
than the hostility present in the world. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Raising God the Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Scripture is full of influential role models for your daughter. Esther is one biblical influencer who God equipped to take a stand when her moment of opportunity arose. Esther was steeped in the ways of God and relied on patience for His unfolding plan. You too are a role model for your girl, chosen specifically by God to raise her. Think of your role as a sacred key that opens the door to passing on your faith. It's important for parents to grow in their faith and to ensure that they are equipped to help their daughters take a stand when faced with a difficult situation. Take some time to pray together. Who knows how God will use your Esther in the days and weeks to come. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. You can learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. In churches, and a lot of churches today, the issue of identity is sort of like the big elephant in the room. It's in the news, but it's not in the church. So if it's in society, it needs to be something the churches are addressing. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality, is now available for church screenings and events. Every person in America needs to see this. And all pastors need to show this to the church, get the people informed. If the church and Jesus isn't the answer, where's the world going? We want the message of the film to touch as many hearts and lives as possible. And we'd love to join with you to bring the film to your community. So let's say you have a small group or your church, or we've even been bringing the film into some prisons. We want to partner with you. So what we'll do is we'll send you a special kit and it's completely free, and it'll just have some extra resources to help you promote your event. To find out more about how to host an event, go to inhisimage.movie and click on the Host an Event tab. That's inhisimage.movie. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. We're back on AFA at the core. My name is Rick Green, I'm a former Texas legislator and America's Constitution coach, and glad to be hosting with you today. You can learn more at patriotacademy.com. That's patriotacademy.com. Phone number to call in with your comments or questions, 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. First segment, I was talking a little bit, a little bit about what? Tongue-tied already? I'm only in the second segment. Too much coffee. Anyway, I was talking about this last Sunday on you know the weekend of July 4th I go to this same church out in Yuba City California every year and I was uh, I was you know there 7 years ago 2 days after the Supreme Court handed down the Oberfeld case and said we don't care what you want in your state we're going to make this up and create this new right to homosexual marriage and we're going to make every state in America participate and celebrate in, in this thing and so I you know I was kind of down when I was uh, preparing for that Sunday morning and and so God just gave me this message of, hey, take them back to 1857 and let them see just how bad it was then when the Supreme Court was doing things that were wrong and evil and the uh, nation had to go along with it for a while. Um, but then uh, because Christians fought back, because pastors fought back, because people of faith and of, and, and of honor and, and of integrity fought back, ultimately we ended up refusing those Supreme Court decisions. We had constitutional amendments to override 
those Supreme Court decisions, so the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, not only ended slavery and guaranteed equal rights and protections to all citizens, including those newly freed slaves in the South, and, and then guaranteed uh, the right to vote, make sure you couldn't deny the right to vote based on color of skin. I mean, all those things were important, and it required constitutional amendments to reverse all of those bad Supreme Court decisions. Well, now, here we are at this moment in time that I was talking about in the first segment was was uh, was was 2015. It was it was, you know, uh, honestly, a, a point where we uh, really a down point where we had an administration that was trying to destroy America, going into all these very socialist ideas. We ended up with with socialized medicine and all of these things. And then the court force forces gay marriage on all the states. And so what I told him that morning was, listen, we don't run for the hills. This is where we fight. This is where we have a Joshua and Caleb mindset where we say, listen, no doubt there's giants in the land. No doubt there are fortified cities. We know, we see that. But even when we see that, we know that God has given us the land and we will rise to the calling. We will be true salt and light. We're, we're, we're going we're gonna to do what God has called us to do. And I, and I truly believe that if you if you take a constitutional, historical, and biblical perspective, history does tend to illuminate a path if we'll pay attention. And I think what they did in 1857, all the way through the Civil War, and with the, with, with the amendments to the Constitution, is a, an illumination of a path. And that's what I told them seven years ago, that these strategies work. God's way is not only right, it works best. It's not just theory. History shows it to be true. And then I just gave them three major points. Number one, you got to borrow from the Navy SEALs. The only easy day was yesterday. Stop whining. Start getting wet and sandy, as the Navy SEALs would say. In other words, get in the fight. And I challenged them, and even back then, 2015, give up some TV, give up some some hobby or something, and take that time and that energy and invest in becoming a student of freedom. Invest in saving the nation. Invest in, 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 in preventing tyranny. If you're not willing to do that, you deserve tyranny. You deserve to live under tyranny. Our forefathers, you know, think about what they did. They grabbed a musket, they left their families and went and died on the battlefield or fought for years on the battlefield. Can we at least devote a few hours to the the, the basic peaceful activities of being a good citizen, a biblical citizen? So a quote I gave them that morning was from John Peter Gabriel Muhlenberg. He was one Black Road Regiment guy in the founding era. In fact, he was an amazing guy. He gave a sermon one morning uh, where he literally took off his robes, his clerical robes, and underneath he's dressed in a military uniform. He spoke out of Ecclesiastes. There's a season for everything. Time of peace, time of war. He said, it's not a time of peace anymore. It's time of war. We got to fight. Had the guys outside beat the drums, called his men to arms. 300 from his two different churches joined up, and he went on to become one of only a handful of guys to become a major general. But his brother, who was a pastor in New York, said, you're wrong. You shouldn't be doing this. You're just supposed to be preaching the gospel as if the gospel's limited to just a salvation message instead of making disciples of all men. That's the gospel, making disciples of all nations. Anyway, uh, that was uh, Frederick Augustus Muhlenberg said that to John Peter. Well, John Peter writes him back. He says, shall I then sit still and enjoy myself at home when the best blood of the continent is spilling? I am convinced it's my duty to do so and duty I owe to my country. A lot more in there, but he basically said, this is my duty. And as a, as a citizen of heaven and of earth, a citizen of heaven and of this nation, I have a responsibility to get involved. We have that same duty. And by the way, his brother, Frederick Augustus, kept going back and forth with him until the British marched into Frederick's hometown, kicked him out of his church, desecrated his church. And at that point, he said, hmm, maybe brother's right about this. He got so involved. If you look at a copy of the Bill of Rights, it's signed by the Speaker of the House on the House side and by the Vice President, who was the, you know, of course, President of the Senate. And guess who the Speaker of the House was for the Bill of Rights? 
Not John Peter Gabriel Muhlenberg, Frederick Augustus Muhlenberg, the pastor that didn't want to get involved. He got so involved that, the, that both of them got elected to Congress under the new Constitution, and they were in Congress when the Bill of Rights was proposed to the states. The First Amendment freedom of religion, think about that, given to us by a couple of pastors in Congress that had a big fight with each other over whether or not to get involved. It's amazing how God works. Anyway, got to get involved. No whining about how tough it is. And that's really where the second point comes in. Get salty. So not only stop whining, but get salty. If the, if the salt has lost its flavor, what good is it? The church is irrelevant when it's no longer the conscience of the nation, when it's no longer teaching the truth. We are, we are blessed as a nation because of the positive influence of Christianity and the church. It ended tyranny. It ended slavery. It launched the civil rights movement. So, so many other things. I believe the movement towards life is because of the churches and the pastors and, frankly, the Christians outside of the church that started all these different organizations and got involved and used smart strategy and tactics to speak truth and love and, and win over people within their realm of influence. Just as Lincoln had engaged in civil discourse and debate to advocate for the right principles, such as ending slavery, just as he had done that for years before he was actually in a position to do so with the law, we have to do the same thing. We have to engage and speak truth and use good strategy and good tactics. That means getting salty, being salt and light everywhere we can. Last thing I told him that morning was stop being fearful. I mean, this was long before COVID. This was 2015. And I even used that verse out of Second Peter. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of powered love and a sound mind. We know truth. We have the weapons of free speech and voting rights, convention of states under the Constitution. We have all of these peaceable means to do exactly what previous generations did to right the ship and move us back towards godly principles. We have the manpower. There's more than enough people in America that agree with these truths. We can win this culture war for the heart and soul of America, but we have to run towards the battle, not away from the battle. We got to run towards it. So don't be fearful. It's time for us to act out of power, love, and a sound mind. Well, that was 2015. Look at us seven years later, and look at these amazing Supreme Court decisions that have been handed down, protecting life, protecting the right of self-defense, protecting the First Amendment freedom of religion, all of these things, even, even, even you know, shutting down, not shutting down, but at least curbing the out-of-control power of the fourth branch, all the agencies, all the bureaucrats. That EPA decision last week was huge. Huge. You've got all these unelected bureaucrats that have been making law and making up regulations and, and, and just stifling the market to the point of creating all kinds of chaos in our country. And it's time for them to be, be reined in. And thankfully, this was a huge, huge step. This EPA decision will probably end up being, I, I think, the top three. Wow, it's really hard to pick. Dobbs, obviously, pro, the pro-life decision and overturning Roe v. Wade, definitely the biggest by far, not even close anywhere else. But, but the Second Amendment case, the Bruin case, actually, that is a close second because if, if you have life but you can't protect life, if you can't defend the lives of your family, then what, what good is it? And, and then liberty, this whole EPA decision, and, and then the freedom of religion decision. I don't know, man. There's so many good decisions. I could go on and on and on. I don't want to go back down or repeat stuff I talked about last week, but it's good, good news. But my challenge to you is to be willing to be salty. We've got to press the gas right now. We've got to actually work on these things now. A lot of this is just getting sent back to the states, which is proper. It's called federalism. But now we've got to fight in each and every one of our states. Wherever you live, 
get involved with a pregnancy center locally and, and help them. And hopefully they're going to have a lot more babies to help with. Isn't that going to be great? I mean, get involved locally with your state legislative races because the battle for life is now at the state legislature. And it's going to be that way in all 50 states, red states and blue states. There's going to be battles for life. So good stuff happening. Get involved in all of it. Let's go to the phones. Uh, we're going to go to Josh in Texas first. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can call 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. Josh, what part of Texas are you calling from, buddy? Love it. All right. Go Red Raiders, I guess. I'm not I'm not actually a Red Raider fan, but you're in Lubbock, so I just thought I'd throw that out there. Go ahead, brother. What's your comment or question? Dude, you have such a topsy-turvy way of thinking about the world and the law. I mean, I, I'm glad for you that you're happy, but I think that you're making big mistakes and not seeing the big picture. Okay, tell me what my mistake is. Let's see. Well, the same 14th Amendment that protects... These individual rights that you lift up are this is the same Fourteenth Amendment that defends people's individual rights from overreach by their state governments. That was the entire context of the Fourteenth Amendment. And so, when state governments create law that infringes on people's constitutional right, it's in fact the federal government's responsibility to protect those rights. Yeah, I've said that many times. I'm still not following where I'm wrong. That's entirely a context of federalism. It's not anti-federalism for the federal government to defend people's rights against their states. 100% agree, Josh. I'm still missing where you said I was wrong. Well, I mean, now that Roe is gone... Uh, states like they were before would be entirely free to do as they were before, where they would do things like mandate abortions for women that were uh, deemed unfit for pregnancy. Roe was a protection for pregnant women. Now that's gone. You know, that was federalism in action that would protect pregnant women uh, from overreach by their states, from mandated abortions. Now, women have no such protection. Well, I, I think that's a stretch, but I still don't see where you're where I'm wrong. I, I've been saying that exact same thing on the program. So I don't know if you've been listening in, in terms of of Roe v. Wade actually will allow for more abortion in blue states, which is why there's a battle in all 50 states now to protect life. And I also talked about the fact that that absolutely federalism is designed a, to leave things to the states unless it's addressed in the Constitution. And in that case, the 14th Amendment specifically applies the Constitution to the states, which is what the McDonald case on the Second Amendment was all about, which is what um, you know so many other cases have been about as well. So you're 100% right. Absolutely, there's a responsibility to prevent states from violating constitutional rights. What Roe v. Wade said was that this isn't one that we have found a constitutional right to, and therefore we're not going to force abortion on states. Um, I would love to see a personhood amendment. I would love to see us protect life in all 50 states. I don't think we're politically there yet, but I think we can get there uh, over time. But I'm, I still am confused on 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 where you're saying the mis the, the uh, we're applying it wrong in our in our conversation here. Well, what I'm saying is the thing that you hope to unwind is the very thing that protects the, the things that you value. Well, I think you might have misheard me because what I've said, I, I thought clearly, but apparently not through the whole thing is. You have to look at the 14th Amendment and whether or not it's protecting an actual constitutional right or a made-up constitutional right like they did in substantive due process. That's exactly what Thomas lays out 
in the concurring opinion in Dobbs is he says, we've used substantive due process, which is a made-up legal theory, to create new rights in the Constitution that aren't there and shove them into a clause that's actually about due process. It's not even about the rights themselves. It's about saying you can't be deprived of life, liberty, and property unless you have due process. He also argues that some of these things that we've shoved into that clause should have been used under the equal protections. It should have been privileges and immunities being equally applied to all Americans, not the due process clause. But Thomas has made this argument for 31 years on the court. I mean, he's been laying the groundwork for exactly what's happening right now. But but it's not, it's not an either or. You can't say that the 14th Amendment pre- prevents states from getting to make any decisions or the 14th Amendment gives the, the uh, the, the states, all of the decisions. It, it's it's specifically whether it's a right that's actually guaranteed in the Constitution. At that point, no, states don't have a right to violate it. If it's not a right that's guaranteed in the Constitution, then the federal government has no right to be involved in that particular issue. Those are the two guiding principles, and, and that's what we've said from the beginning. I think we've been very consistent about that uh, and, and absolutely agree with everything that Clarence Thomas has said. He's He's probably my spirit animal on the Supreme Court. If I, could. I mean, he's literally said, I, I don't know if I've ever disagreed with the guy on the things that he's written in, in his Supreme Court decisions. But anyway, so, I mean, that's the clarification, folks. If it is a constitutional right, like let's take the easy one since it was one of the decisions of the Second Amendment. That is clearly a constitutional right. You have a right to keep and bear arms because it's the first law of nature. It's a guarantee to be able to defend yourself and defend your family. It's why the mama bear instinct will kick in for mama bear or papa bear if your cubs are being attacked. And the Supreme Court was basically saying, or did specifically say in the Bruin case, this is a constitutional right, and the states do not have a right to infringe upon that. Now, I do think they left the door open too much for these you know, um, sensitive places and for uh, regulations. Um, you can see it in New York. They've already, they just passed this ridiculous new permit, uh, you know, concealed carry requirement that they're going to, they're literally going to look at three years of your social media history to decide whether or not you have a right to keep and bear arms. Now, I don't think there's any way that'll be upheld. It's going to go all the way back to the Supreme Court and be struck down. But I wish the court had just not even left it open and just said, hey, you've got a constitutional right to keep and bear arms. Your permit is the Constitution. That's why it says the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So that's an easy one. The states should not be able to infringe on that. But then when you get into some of these things that are not listed in the Constitution, yes, the Ninth Amendment says that all of your rights are not listed in the Constitution. You're still protected on those things. But typically, it's not that you're protected from the states. You're protected from the federal government on those things. And then you need some protection in your state Constitution for those things. Now we're talking about the category of things not listed in the Constitution. So, Josh, I hope that clears it up for you, man. It's not, uh, you know, I mean, you have to look. It depends on what the subject is, right? So you can't take a blanket statement and apply it to all of these different things. It, uh, they're, they're individually have to be looked at, which is what Clarence Thomas said. If you're a, if you ever seen the movie Matrix, I want you to picture Morpheus, but with Clarence Thomas's face, and he's got the hand out there, and he's waving, or maybe it's uh, maybe it's Neo, you know, uh, uh, and he's waving the guy. Come on, bring it on, bring it on. That's what Clarence Thomas did when he said, "Hey, we need to revisit all these substantive due process cases." So they're going to look at them one by one, and they're going to look at whether or not there's actually a constitutional protection there in which case federalism would mean that the feds protect it. If there's not a constitutional right there, the feds get out of the way and it's up to the states. More on that when we come back. You're listening to AFA at the Core, phone number 888-589-8840. When you hear this... 
This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. Picture a stormy sea. The waves are rolling viciously and the sky is darker than night. The crack of thunder can be heard over the roaring wind. A tiny ship is thrown wildly up and down as it rides the waves. The crew is just about to lose hope when someone spots a sudden flash in the distance, a lighthouse. Lighthouse for the Lost, an article by Parker May. To read this article, visit EngageMagazine.net. You know, a lot of times you have to choose between something high quality or something that saves you money. But if you can get both, why not? Especially when it comes to health care. And that's MediShare. You get both. The typical family saves 500 bucks a month switching to MediShare. And that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. It's because MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge PPO network. So, yeah, really, you could save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. If you're self-employed or part of the gig economy, or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. Here is the number you need. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Athletics and life teach us common benefits. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Whether you're working on that golf game or improving your average on the baseball field, you can learn life lessons. But more importantly, you can learn spiritual lessons. 1 Corinthians 9.24 says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Jesus Christ gave His life on the cross just so that you can have a personal relationship with Him. Receive Jesus Christ now as your Lord and Savior and enjoy the ultimate prize of eternal life. Then you can do what Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. A message from American Family Radio. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. We're back here on AFA at the Core. Rick Green with you. You can find out more about our organization at PatriotAcademy.com. PatriotAcademy.com. Get in one of those biblical citizenship classes so you can not only learn the truth, but you can then apply it and you can actually participate in your community to help restore biblical values and constitutional principles. There is an awakening happening in the country. So many people are getting involved and actually participating. we got 13,000 constitution coaches across the country learning these things. Now, most of the, most of the classes that we do are, are, you know, it's a citizen's guide to the Constitution. So it's kind of a, we don't dive really far deep into the issues. Even on this issue of the 14th Amendment, 
Uh, we, we, we lay out a little bit the two different theories, you know, over the years of whether or not it applies the Constitution to the states or it only applied uh, to freed blacks in the South. And and honestly, the best treatises on that is the um, concurring opinion by uh, by uh, Clarence uh, Thomas in the McDonald case, because he lays out the history of the 14th Amendment as it was debated in Congress to propose it to the states and as it was debated in the states. And it was very clearly to apply the Constitution to the states to say exactly what we were saying in, in the previous segment, that the Constitution and federalism and um, you know state rights does not give the state the right to do wrong, doesn't give the state the right to do things that are that are unconstitutional. I'll, I'll say one thing about the, the question before the break um, about you know forced abortions. What, what overturning Roe v. Wade allows for is to prevent really about two-thirds of abortions that were forced abortions. So in other words, when you go back and you look into the data, 64% of women that got abortions felt pressured to abort or were forced to abort. In other words, it was a boyfriend or, a, or, or a, in some cases far worse. Uh, and they were making them go get the abortion. That was a forced abortion. It wasn't the government forcing them, but it was an individual forcing them to do that. And what, what overturning Roe v. Wade does is in the states that will support life and uphold life and pass pro-life legislation, which is going to be you know 20-something immediately and hopefully we'll get to 30-something as quick as possible, um, is it will prevent that from happening in those uh, in those states. Unfortunately, um, you know, the caller was right about the fact that Roe v. Wade being overturned does allow for blue states to do more abortion at this point because it limited, you know, third trimester abortions and that sort of thing. Uh, but that's where the battle goes to the states. That's why we will be fighting in each and every state, just like in California, where I was just a couple of days ago at that church in Yuba City. We talked about that. Hey, now each and every state, everyone role to play in this. You can no longer say, oh, it's up to the Supreme Court and I can't appoint Supreme Court justices. I don't have any influence on that. Now, every single one of us, you have influence on your state legislator and who they are and how they vote. You need to be letting your voice be heard. And I believe that over time, we can get to even states like California and restore life in those in states like that. If the church will get involved in this, if, if every Christian shows up and votes, we can absolutely make even a state like California become a pro-life state. Okay, let's go back to the phones. And by the way, if you would like to call in, that phone number is 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Robert is next. He's calling from Arkansas, which is where I'm at right now, Robert. I'm in Arkansas. I don't know where in Arkansas you are, but I'm, I'm visiting my kiddos in, in Hot Springs that are a wonderful program up here at Christian Ministries. Uh, anyway, Robert, where are you calling from in Arkansas? Oh, right now I'm in Clinton, Arkansas. So just north. Ah, of Clinton. A little bit. Right. We got a family farm in Marshall, not too far from you there, brother. I will. I'll be there in about 45 minutes. So where's it at <laughs> so I can go sit on it for a little while? <laughs> I, oh, sorry. You know I, I'm, the connection's no there? good. I'm, no, I'm kidding. Go ahead, man. <laughs> What's your comment or question? <laughs> You have elk on your farm up there because hey, I I got a gun. You know, Arkansas says, um, uh, move to Arkansas and bring your guns. I think I think I saw something about that the other day. So you know, it, they don't I love care. It. Bring your guns. You can come live here. That's uh, right. My my question is, and it's probably been brought up before, and I, I just don't understand um, why is it that I have to call somebody they or them and if i don't then it's i don't know not right but anybody anybody has the constitutional right to tell anybody anything flip anybody off and and it's your freedom to be able to do that but somebody will go 
back on me or attack me for not calling them a specific they or them or he or she. I don't I don't know. I still don't understand all that they and them stuff. Well, it's not just they and them. It's Z and Zer and Z. I mean, they've got so many different. It's insane. It's insane. I just I just read a book actually by Michael Brown. It's a great book. I recommend it to everybody. Silencing of the Lambs, and uh, it's about cancel culture and and uh, specifically canceling people that have come out of the LGBT lifestyle and God's restored them completely and they are silenced. They're not allowed to talk about. Uh, how God can heal you and 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 bring you into healthy relationships and all of that because it it undermines the entire narrative of the LGBT community that is you're born this way and you can't change it and frankly you know to be blunt hey everybody we're all born sinful we're all born with desires that are anti-biblical that's the whole point of salvation and the whole point of regeneration and the whole point of him renewing our minds and everything but that's a whole nother topic um to your question and or comment robert um yeah it, it, it's insane the fact that this is now not considered or protected under free speech or anything else even though you're speaking truth so there's no libel or slander here you're not uh, abusing you're not being mean you're literally just speaking truth and to not do so they're asking you to live by a lie if I'm if I'm required by law and going to be arrested if I don't now right now it's only fines you can be fined in America in certain places if you don't use the pronouns you can be fired from your job um, so far you don't get put in jail in other countries they're putting you in jail if you refuse to use to live by the lie if you refuse to use the false pronouns but if if if, if you're a man and you think you're a woman and you're asking me to call you by her. Uh, and, and, and she and that sort of thing, you're asking me to live in fantasy land with you. Now, you may have a right to live in fantasy land in America. You don't have a right to make me live there with you or force me to live by a lie or participate in a lie. That, that it, first of all, that's not love. I'm not loving you when I do that. I'm lying to you, and I'm, and, and I'm hurting you because I'm, I'm forcing you to stay in the lie instead of being healed from it. So it, it is it is unconstitutional to force this on people. Uh, it is it is anti-biblical, and it's just not loving. It's actually a lie. Uh, but that is the agenda, man. You, Robert, you, you're, you're, the reason you're frustrated by it, same reason I'm frustrated by it, the same reason Jordan Peterson became an international uh, name, because he refused to participate. Uh, you know, he was a professor, and they, they said, you have to do this. And he said, I will not. I absolutely refuse to participate in the lie. And so, you know, um, it, it ended up, he ended up writing his books and doing his videos, and boom, man. I mean, that was 2016, and in six years, I mean, an international phenomenon. And Daily Wire just hired him. He's got a, a great new series out called, um, let's see, what's he call it? Dragons, Monsters, and Men. And it's, it's exactly what I've been saying about the fact that you've got to not be safe. You've got to be dangerous, under control, of course. And that's what he talks about. You have to learn to have it under control. But uh, I, I hope that, that Michael Brown is right in this book, Silencing of the Lambs, that, that what the enemy means for evil, God turns to good, and that, and that in these situations, just like it was evil for them to do what they did to Jordan Peterson, and all of a sudden now he has a voice of reason that he's bringing to millions and millions of people. Um, in, in the same way, Michael Brown and, 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 and his organization, the things that he does when he was canceled on YouTube and other places, it, it amplified his voice overall. So that doesn't happen to everybody. A lot of people, you get silenced. And you have no way to, to fight back. I just got another strike on on YouTube. My son and I did a Reagan and I did a a um, just a, a chat, basically one of our front porch uh, chats, and and we we talked about you know some of the th shenanigans of the 2020 election. And 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 they literally just said, I mean, it's it's surreal when I when I read these things. So they said um, they gave me another strike, 
and uh, said I was soon to be removed from YouTube over this because, uh, let's see if I can read what they said. It was um, uh, content that advances false claims that widespread fraud, errors, or glitches change the outcome of the U.S. 2020 presidential election is not allowed on YouTube. So they want me to uh, review their policies and, uh, and, and check my content because I'm violating their policies. So they gave me this was a strike. I think I get three strikes before they completely remove me like they did Prager and, and, and others. Um, so, you know, even though the movie 2000 Mules documents and shows you what actually happened, even though we've had people now, uh, you know, be convicted for voter fraud from the 2020 election, even though we have, as Carrie Lake running for a governor in Arizona has pointed out over and over again, you know, 750,000 ballots there that didn't have a chain of custody. So they should be thrown out and not counted. And similar type things happened in, in so many of these states. We're not allowed to even discuss that. Does, does no one remember that, 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 that the Democrats said all the same things in 2016 with zero evidence? We've got tons of evidence. They did it with zero evidence. Um, they canceled Josh Hawley after he voted against some of the recognizing some of the electors because it came from states where they had changed their election laws without the legislature, which is 100% unconstitutional. So he did exactly what he should have done as a United States senator. Um, and, and he gets his book canceled by Amazon as a result of that, even though Hillary Clinton herself and and uh, Nancy Pelosi and other Democrat leaders had done the exact same thing, objecting to electors in past elections when it was Republicans. It's a double standard. And that's that's a little bit of what you were pointing out there, Robert. It's a, it's hypocrisy. It's a double standard. You can do all these other things, but you can't do that. And it depends on your political views. That's a two-tier justice system that has got to come to an end. We have to come back to a place where we once again love blind justice. We love equal justice under the law. We love the idea of the law applying to everyone the same. If we can't agree on that, folks, it's going to be really hard to stay together as a nation. So we've got to speak that truth in love, but speak that truth and start demanding that those principles are once again restored. Let's see if we can squeeze in a couple more calls. We've got Ronald in Kansas. Ronald, go ahead, man. I can't hear you, Ronald. Did we lose you? Oh, no, no. Oh, there you are. Go ahead, man. I'm well, I'm, I'm just have a question about this. Have you heard about that bipartisan law that just passed? This deals with the safety of, you know, firearms, schools, all that stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, it, they call it bipartisan because there was there was you know 15 or so uh, Republicans that uh, right. sold us out right. and and I guess thought it was okay to not have due process and have people come take your guns just based on an anonymous uh, complaint of someone that could easily be an you know ex girlfriend, ex husband, okay. ex whatever, or just somebody that doesn't like you because you're conservative. So yeah, really, really bad law that was just passed. But um, yes, there were some Republicans that that sold us out, like John Cornyn of Texas, who hopefully will not be the United States Senator from Texas. Texas after the next election, but go ahead. Okay, well, you answered pretty much answered my question right there. As far as they don't have to, there's no due process. They don't have to have any kind of anything to back up what they what they accuse you of. They can just come in a raid and take your guns, right? Yeah, it's it's a it's a it opens the door for even worse. But that's that's the that's the main concern right there. And there's nothing in it that actually will save lives. It's going to cost lives because it's going to. And every step of the way and all the different things that they're putting in there, it just makes it harder and harder for law abiding citizens to get a firearm to defend themselves. I mean, just like this, this crazy guy shooting uh, in Chicago, another there's always going to be crazy people. There's always going to be mass murder events. 
and, and there always has been, and most of the time it's been done by government, most mass murder events in history, but definitely by individuals as well. And and every time, whether they use a gun or a car or, or a knife and sword like they, in, I mean, it, it, there's all kinds of examples we could give. But the key is you're not going to stop that with any law that you pass. They don't pay attention to that stuff. They're still going to get their hands on whatever it is or they've already got whatever it is. What you're going to only way you're going to save lives is you have to have more sheepdogs out there ready and able to defend. Now I realize what you know somebody will say in response to this, Rick. But this guy was up on the on the on the on the uh, building and and you couldn't have immediately responded uh, to that. I get it. There's going to be times where they they think things through and they're planned and they're going to be able to take some life. But but none of the things that we're we're um, these politicians are doing would have stopped that. And the more people that you have armed and the more people you have able to respond to that guy, even when he's in a position like that, and try to get to him, the better. And that's a rare scenario compared to the uh, two million times a year that a gun is used to stop a crime. And so every time you make it harder for people to have that gun legally, then those two million times of stopping a crime and all the mass murder events that have been stopped by law-abiding citizens, not by the police— by law-abiding citizens able to stop the threat, just like what happened in West Virginia the day after Uvalde or some of these other examples out there, the more you make it hard for citizens to get those firearms and then get the training, the more you're going to have mass murder events. You're inviting the, the number one common factor in all mass murder events. Now, this this one on um, on uh, uh, yesterday might be an exception because I'm not sure what the rules were where that parade was taking place. But 97.8% of the time, these things happen in a, quote, gun-free zone. So the number one factor in mass murder events is you disarmed the law-abiding citizens and made it easier for the crazy person to commit their murder. That's foolish. It's childish. It's, it's literally simple-minded when people think, we can pass all these laws. You put a sign on the door, and the bad guy is going to see the sign and go, oh, guess I have to go back to the car and find somewhere. No. They they, they, they see the sign that says no guns allowed, and they say, aha, I'm at the right place because now there's nobody in here to be able to fight against me. So let's use some common sense. Let's use some historical perspective. And perhaps most importantly, uh, let's make sure that we have a biblical perspective, and in this case, a constitutional perspective about the laws of nature. And the Founding Fathers called this one the first law of nature, that you do not give up, even if you wanted to give it up. You can't give up this law of nature that just kicks in. It's in you. God created you that way. When there's an attack on you or your family, you respond. You want to defend them. At least that's the way that it should be. So we've got to pay attention once again to those laws of nature and nature's God. And thankfully for us, that's right out of Romans. It's recognizing that God reveals himself to us in his word and also in nature. Let's make sure our culture reflects that once again. Sure have enjoyed being with you. Thanks so much for listening today. Again, I'm Rick Green. You can learn more at PatriotAcademy.com. You have been listening to AFA at the Core. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.